you know, I, over the last few months in, in writing the, the Tom Zarek book and, and having to create this life history for this character, you know, I, I've kind of gotten to know Tom, or at least I, I hope to God I've gotten to know Tom, and I, I've come to the conclusion that, that as a character, if they ever make a Tom Zarek action figure, all he really needs is a big spoon. Like, <laughs> because he just, the guy just stirs up crap left and right. And, and his, intentions, his intentions are so driven towards what he believes, I think, what he believes is the greater good. And I think that, that his perspective on that may be a little screwy at times, but I think that in his mind, that this is not an evil character by any stretch of the imagination. He is a guy who really thinks that his way is right. And, and that, I mean, that's something that, that I've tried to deliver on in the scripts, but what, what will season three hold for Tom Zarek that, that you can share? Where, where is Tom Zarek going now that we have seen him on New Caprica, we know that, that he is presumably still hooked up <laughs> with uh, Gaius Baltar, although yeah. I can't imagine Tom Zarek is going to, uh, to have much patience for a Cylon occupation. Where is Tom Zarek going, or, or can you tell us? Unfortunately, we can't really tell people anything about where the show's going, only because uh, we would be um, strung up by our thumbs, uh, our toes, <laughs> or something else I won't mention. But it, it's very difficult um, to say too much without giving something away. So, And again, I, I don't know a lot, only because the writers don't tell you everything, which is it's always a surprise, at least to me, when I get a script, I never quite know what's coming down the pike or what I'm going to end up doing or, or where the character is going. So there's lots of twists and turns. And my character kind of tends to come in, go away, come in at certain times when you least expect him. He sticks a wrench in the works, stirs up, as you said, the dust. I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, this is a big cast. There's a lot of characters in this show. And every one of them is, has, has a, a wonderful, interesting backstory. And everyone deserves to have their story told. So sometimes it takes time to really flesh out all the characters. You know, obviously some of the, the central main characters that are on the show get fleshed out a little quicker. And then uh, as the show continues, um, more and more of the characters get fleshed out. And I think that's what makes a great show uh, great, is that the characters from the top to the bottom are fully dimensional uh, and, and grounded and, and connected. And so you're always learning more about your character as you go. And I'm sure the character is building in the author's mind, the writer's mind, as it continues to go on. So there's nothing fixed and fi or finite, nothing frozen in stone. But the characters do start to take on more and more clarity, and you start to get a stronger sense of who they are. And with, with my character, I, I feel very much like you feel. I feel like so many good people are capable of doing bad things under the right conditions. In fact, if I've learned anything, we're all human, we're all flawed, we're all imperfect. We're all capable of crossing over that line to the dark side when we least expect it. Sometimes we cross over and don't even know it. Sometimes our best intentions, we do evil things. And if we've been deeply wounded or have been unjustly judged, we are all capable uh, when we become damaged psychologically, emotionally, physically, mentally, we're all capable of doing horrible things, trying to come to terms with that anger, that frustration towards humanity, towards society, towards the powers that be. And uh, anyone who spent time in prison, I mean, when I look at Nelson Mandela, the one thing that really uh, amazes me is how a man could go through all of that and not come out hateful, wanting to bring down society, especially his society. 
that is an extraordinary man to have gone through everything he went through and to have come out the other side intact. But not everybody is so lucky to, to have that happen. And uh, I think that Tom Zarek is a deeply wounded, idealistic, revolutionary who has always fought for the common good, but who has been incarcerated for over 20 years, who has been deeply wounded on all levels, has a great distrust of society, of laws, of government, and uh, obviously paid a huge price trying to fight the powers that be. And one of the things that people sometimes seem to forget is they always think the person who fights the powers that be is the bad guy. But have we not learned in this world that uh, there are many people who are in positions of government, of power, that aren't necessarily the good guy? There are good people and bad people in government, and we have to come to realize that sometimes the person who is the, the rebel sometimes is the one who's got it right. But unfortunately, sometimes the path from the rebel to actually moving in to institutions of power and, and gaining power, as we've seen in history, the rebel becomes the leader, becomes the president, becomes the dictator. And all of a sudden, the so-called rebel with idealistic uh, humanitarian you know, motivations turns out to be the worst of the worst. Power corrupts. Um, and maybe, maybe when you've suffered too deeply you're corrupted on a deep, profound level, and uh, many times you're not able to, to come back, to fight your way back to the light. I think Tom Zarek, uh, the jury is still out. I think he struggles with his dark side. He struggles with his anger at society and humanity, uh, his distrust, and uh, I think he, but he, he's become extremely smart. He's a very smart man, and I think he has become wise enough to understand that if you fight from outside, you end up uh, on the gallows, imprisoned, dead, and that uh, he has to be smart enough to fight the battle from within. And I think that that's why he entered into politics. That's why he's enter entering into the mainstream of the fabric of society and fighting his war there, learning how to play the chess game better than anybody else. But I think Ron Moore is exploring a lot of very profound issues that are confronting us in our, in our very provocative times. And he's doing it in a very artful, very powerful, uh, heart-rendering, emotional, compelling way. I mean, that's what great art is all about. And uh, somebody is beginning to build a very powerful block of very strong shows on a sci-fi channel. So it's nice to know that unlike what we had 28 years ago, we had executives who didn't understand science fiction, who didn't like Battlestar, didn't get it, didn't want it on. So we never had the support that fortunately this show is getting. This show has executives that are supporting this show. And again, I don't know all the ins and outs of it. So I, I may be absolutely totally wrong about this, but from the executives I met, they really seem to appreciate what this show is about and really support where Ron Moore is taking it. But as always, there's always multiple cooks in the kitchen. Everybody has their own idea what should be done or should not be done. But uh, nevertheless, from what I've seen, this show has been allowed to really explore uh, Ron Moore's vision and, and obviously David Ikes and, uh, and all the other writers and creative artists that are on board. So, uh, Something is being done right here. Uh, I take my hat off to everybody from the top to the bottom here. And as an aside to the listeners, please keep in mind Richard's passionate words about the Sci-Fi Channel the next time it's Tuesday at 11 p.m. and you're watching Mansquito. <laughs> you know, keep that in mind. You, know, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of life. 
Well, uh, moving on, and, and uh, I want to wrap this up with you here. Uh, I, I'm afraid poor Noel has gone into a coma at this point. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I wanted to, uh, to give you an opportunity to uh, speak to everyone about the Magellan Project and right. also the book, So Say We All. So Say We All. I got asked to be the uh, guest editor on it, to write the foreword and also uh, introduction, I should say, and uh, to write an essay. And what So Say We All is... It's a novel that has some 30 essays by different writers from all over the country who explore the Battlestar Galactica, both old and new, mystique, myth, backstory, what it's about, what they like, what they don't like. It's really a, a pretty interesting, honest, in-depth exploration of the show by both men and women writers. But it, it allows the reader, I think, to gain some very profound insights about what really is being explored on the show and why, and where it might be going, and I think the, the fans will really, really love it, just because it will open up some doors of perceptions, some fields of thought, things to discuss, and I'm sure many people, over a, a nice cool one, or over a cup of tea, have more often than not had a deep, profound discussion watching Battlestar. So this allows you to maybe enter into some of these wonderful writers' minds and see what they think about the show and what they think works and what doesn't work and what they love and what they, what they think the, the metaphors mean and, and, and what they really, really see on a, on a very, very deep, profound level. So uh, I think they have a treat in store for them uh, in this book. And uh, obviously we'll have uh, some things up on BattlestarGalactic.com letting people know where they can order the book or, or get it. In, in terms of Magellan, I've been working on this for several years, and I created some trailers, as people know, and I'm updating those trailers because the story has continued to grow and evolve within me. Sometimes you get a seed idea from deep, deep in your gut, and sometimes it's a feeling, a thought, an idea, a seed idea, and it takes a while for it to gestate and, and slowly to bring it forward and to allow it to kind of evolve and take form and shape. And this is the way it's been with this Magellan idea. I've always wanted to explore the prodigal son. The son that leaves home, falls off the cliff, goes into the world, loses his way, falls to the dark side, a little bit like is explored in, uh, metaphorically in, in, in Star Wars with Vatican. And then fights his way back. You know, they always talk about the prodigal son when he returns home. is actually honored more than the son who never left. So I always found it interesting. What is it in that journey? Why is it that that son who returns is honored? And can a man or woman who has crossed the line and maybe fall into the deepest of their own darkness, can they find their way back? And is there a reason why they get lost in the first place? Is it part of all our journeys to leave home? to go out into the world, and to have to meet our, our dark side. Are we thrown into the dark side for a reason, where we have to struggle with that part of ourselves and then somehow find our way back to the light, only wiser, more knowledgeable, and maybe maybe having become the master of our dark side so that we no longer fall victim to it. Uh, I always found uh, that an interesting premise, and I thought, you know, if you're not a master of your dark side, you're always going to fall victim to it. And we've seen this over and over again with many of our leaders, or many of our church leaders. Many of these people we put up on pedestals, all of a sudden they fall and we find out that they were doing this or doing that or sleeping with, you know, women behind their woman's back or they were doing some horrible thing. Uh, we always find sometimes a so-called good person doing bad things. So I thought, you know, we all are flawed, imperfect. We all have temptation. We all struggle with our own dark side inside. But it seems that on a larger level, a, a metaphorical level, that uh, exploring that journey of all of us, where we leave our home, metaphorically speaking, are cast out into the world, 
and lose our way, get caught up in our appetites, um, greed, selfishness, uh, ego, all the things that we fall victim to, find our way to the dark side, and uh, in, in the case of Magellan, to the darkest of the dark, to the deepest dark of the dark, a place where no man or woman has ever returned from. And I wanted to explore that journey back. And uh, that's, that's what Magellan's all about. And so it, 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 this is something I've been evolving and developing now for several years. And finally, I made a deal to do graphic novels. The graphic novel of, of Magellan will be out in, in March. They were doing the first novel of Magellan that will be out this coming year in spring. Uh, we're also doing the, the role-playing game was actually tested at uh, DragonCon. And will be coming out in the next couple of months. And then uh, I'm now raising the money to develop a, uh, God, many, many things I want to do, a CD-ROM game. Uh, I would like to develop either an animated or a movie or something of, of Magellan uh, or whatever we, we end up developing with this will be forthcoming in the next couple of years. So that, that's been kind of my, what's, what I want to call my legacy. I think we all create things. We all have things that we want to say, you know, to the world or share with the world. But we, I think we all have a gift, a vision, something that we feel strongly inside ourselves uh, that we would like to explore and, and, uh, and share with the world. And this is kind of what's been coming out of me. It's, it's been something that I have been delving into for quite some time, and maybe because I'm living in a 9-11 world and looking at all the chaos and all the craziness and all the stuff that has kind of come out from behind the, uh, the wall. We're seeing... We're seeing the dark side of life and uh, the dark side of human nature, and uh, it's scary. That sounds very, very, very intriguing. And uh, how many varies did I just use there? I think it was 17 varies, wasn't it? Well, uh, I liked it. Whatever it was, the very is, a, is an excellent word. Thank you, thank you. It's a very excellent word. Uh, <laughs> I can't thank you enough uh, for your time. Uh, the uh, Battlestar Galactica Zarek book from Dynamite Entertainment will be hitting the shelves, and I uh, hope you'll pick up all four issues, and uh, I hope you'll also check out So Say We All, and uh, also the fine Magellan uh, products that uh, that Richard mentioned, the role-playing game, the comic book, the uh, potential CD-ROM, is that correct? We have the graphic novel with Alan Brooks and Chris Shai, who are doing the artwork for the 32-pager, it might actually be more pages, and 72-page graphic novel. And, uh, and then the novel, novelization of uh, Magellan coming out uh, in the spring, along with a role-playing game, and then we're working on the CD-ROM game and several other things to do with Magellan. Fantastic. Hopefully there will well, be the way, uh, lunch boxes and action figures coming as well. <laughs> no, what you should know is, by the way, one thing I can't say is, if you love Season 1 and 2, you will be blown away by Season 3. Honestly, it's some of the best writing that I have ever seen in my life as an actor, as a writer, as, a, as, as an artist. It is blowing me away. I, can't, I, I think every actor who opens up the script and reads the material that they're getting feels blessed, looks in the mirror and thanks God that they're on this show getting to play a character and they're getting a chance to do the, this kind of material. It is, it is absolutely the, one of the highlights of my life. And that's saying something. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty, uh, pretty bold statement uh, for a guy who's yep. been doing this for a few years. Um, if you get a chance, uh, if you haven't already, to, uh, to read the Zarek scripts. I, I just started reading it and... Uh, Thank you, because I'm learning about my backstory, which I never knew. So, uh, you know, and, and what's funny about it, it's obviously you're doing, you're creatively doing this. And I, did you, did you get an outline of the backstory? 
Oh, no, 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 no. They, they, they said to me, keep it in continuity and do as you will. And then, you know, it, it all goes back to, to Ron's office, and I get notes from them. Okay. And I've been not only very impressed, but it is for me heaven to be finding out about my history because I've never been given a history. I had to surmise what it was, and I have told them so many people about Sagittarian and about they automatically take me as a, as a political terrorist and that I'm some horrible person, not realizing the conditions and the situations from which all of that sprung. So what's so nice for me and what I'm so happy that other people are going to see is that there's justifications for why Tom Zarek is who he is. You know? I was absolutely refusing, refusing in, in my mind. I didn't have to argue this with anybody. But I, I refuse to uh, make him a victim because I don't, I don't think that he is a victim. I think that, that his actions have brought about some bad circumstances for himself. And yeah. I think that there have been people who have tried to suppress him over time. But uh, I couldn't go the route of, well, Daddy spanked me too hard, and now I'm a villain. You know, I, right. just, I couldn't do that. No, that's a, that's and, a cliche, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I just I wanted him to try to do the right thing and fail and then try to do the right thing and succeed and find that, that succeeding was maybe not. Like you said, you know, the, the revolutionary finds the seat of power, and then it turns him into something even worse, you know. I okay. so appreciate your time, and you're doing oh, you're a welcome. fantastic job on the show. I, like, you need my assessment of your acting skills, but you, you, seriously, they, they need to throw an Emmy at your head, and uh, you need to oh, catch thank it you. when it comes. Thank you. I really appreciate it. My, my wife and yes. I, during uh, Bastille Day, the, when we first watched it air, we just we sat there just on the edge of our, literally on the edge of the couch, <laughs> you know, just like, oh, my God. And uh, <laughs> it just it blew us away. And uh, You're doing great. Thank you. Richard, I'm so proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, well, he's Richard Hatch. I'm Brandon Jurwa. The guy running the controls is the uh, absolutely irresistible Noel Gross, and we thank him for his help here. Good night, everybody.